Welcome to Finding Holiness, where we delve into timeless Torah wisdom, revealing the sacred in everyday moments. Join us on a journey to elevate your spirituality and discover holiness in every aspect of life. I'm your host, Rabbi David Kadosh, and together, let's embark on a path of spiritual exploration. I hope you enjoy this next episode. Good evening, everybody. Erev Tov. Hope everything is well and you are well as uh, we continue our series on Pirkei Avot, studying the ethics of our fathers in the weeks between Pesach and Shavuot, as is the custom among all of Klal Israel. We're happy you can join us here tonight live or in the future on our podcast, Finding Holiness, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you hear your podcasts. We welcome you, we thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Of course, the Perkei Avot series is sponsored by Mr. and Mrs. Eric ben in memory of our dear friend Moshe ben Ephraim Zichonoli Bracha. With the words of Torah that we study tonight, the lessons that we learn, the messages that we keep. This coming Shabbat, we will recite the fifth chapter of Perkei Avot. And there are, again, so many important, great things to learn in this chapter. Today we're going to focus on two Mishnayot, the first two Mishnayot of the chapter, and try to come up with some general theme to help us walk out of here, because Rat Hashem after this Shi'ur as uh, better Jews, better behaved Jews, um, closer to Hashem. Ba'asara ma'amarot nivra ha'olam, the first Mishnah of the fifth chapter begins that the world was created with ten utterances. What does this come to teach us? Why do we care if the world was created with ten utterances? Certainly, God could have created the world with one single utterance. Ela, so Mishnah answers, it's in order to make the wicked accountable for destroying a world that was created with ten utterances. And as well, so to reward the righteous for sustaining a world that was created with ten utterances. So in essence, the opening Mishnah uh, of the chapter, the Tanah asks a question. First, he states a fact that the world was created with ten utterances. Wonders why this was even necessary when God, of course, could create the world with one utterance. And the answer is twofold. One, to provide punishment and to hold accountable the wicked for destroying the world with ten, that was created with ten utterances. And second, to provide reward for the tzaddikim who helped sustain the world, keep the world going, the world that was created with ten utterances. The fifth chapter of Perkei Avot begins noticeably different than the rest of the chapters, in that its messages are given with quantitative numbers. More specifically, the number 10, as we saw in this Mishnah, we're going to see uh, 10 of something, 7 of something, and a whole bunch of 4 of something. Now, these numbers aren't random. The, the lessons contained in this chapter arguably emulate God the most. Let us recall that Masechet Avot, Perkei Avot, was originally slated to be five prakim, five chapters, which means that this chapter was actually the last chapter 
of Pirkei Avot. There are six weeks in between Pesach and Shavuot, and because of that, the rabbis instituted a sixth chapter, which deals mainly with quotes and lessons from our Tanaim regarding the importance of Torah study, and that precedes Shavuot, makes sense, Shavuot is the holiday of Matan Torah. So therefore, chapter 5 is the last chapter of teachings that the Chachamim can relate, which could help us to emulate Hashem and be like Him. And to do that, they tried conveying messages in in the easiest way and form possible. And that is using numbers. Because humans relate to quantitative ideas much easier than that of qualitative ideas. In mathematics, for example, the study of arithmetic is often referred to as numbers and cents. That's what we call arithmetic. And the reason is, is because numbers make sense to people. It's what helps me determine what I have and what I'm missing. It tells me how much of a product I have, how little of the item that I contain. Numbers can be easily broken down to the point where I can place myself on that graph and judge myself accordingly. So when you look at the numbers of 10, 7, and 4, we can easily see Hashem with deep, deep significance in these numbers. When broken down, for example, 10 actually becomes 1. Take the, the small mispar katan of 10 is 1, which relates to Hashem's unity in this universe. 10 is also significant as it's the number of sefirot, of God's sefirot, which is how He connects from heaven down to this, this world. 7, another very popular number in Judaism is the day of rest. Shabbat is the day of rest where we where we use to bind ourselves closely to God differently than we do during the rest of the week. Same goes with regards to our plants and the agriculture and our fields of Shemitah, which we are observing right now, that the seventh year lies fallow, and that displays a certain level of emunan bitachon, faith and trust in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that we are we are ready to to have him take care of us and we we let ourselves loose and we say Hashem you are in charge and lastly number 4 is important spatially as we recognize that Hashem is uh, all around us in the four directions and as well in the four corners of the world the mishnah begins ba'asara ma'amarot nivraha olam that with 10 utterances the world was created on a very simple level, this means that Hashem used speech, He used words to help create, to help generate something, as is found in the opening chapter of Sefer Bereshit, the opening chapter of Chumash. Vayomer uh, Elohim Yehi Or, and God said, Let there be light, Vayhi Or, and there was light. So the actual act of speech of Amira Ma'amarot, is what caused things to come about, things to be created. And that was the first utterance, Vayomer Elohim Yehi Or. 
as we think it's the first utterance, as we're going to see, the Gemara actually asks and says, wait a second, if you pay attention and you count all the times it says, Vayomer Elohim, and God said, you are not going to find ten utterances, rather you're going to find nine utterances. So how can the Mishnah say, when indeed it only says, that, uh, and God said nine times? And the Gemara answers that the first pasuk in the Torah is indeed the first utterance. Bereshit para Elohim et beta'aret is one of the utterances, is one of the sayings that God said. And these utterances became the foundation of what the world turned out to be. This is it. This is what we have. Everything you see around us is a result of Hashem speaking these statements. And the question now that we have to ask moving forward in connection with this Mishnah is what did the Tanah see or feel that he said, this is, an, this is a lesson that I want my listeners and my readers to learn. What was the message he was trying to convey specifically here in Perkei Avot? Yes, you could answer based on what we said, that according to the average reader, you count all the times that it says, Vayomer Elohim, and you only get nine times. And uh, the Tanah wants to tell us, no, really there were ten times. Ba'asara ma'amarot nibraha olam. And he stresses, there's ten, and that's the novelty, that's the chidush. But, this is Perkei Avot we're talking about. This is a book that is devoted to the betterment of our own midot and derech eretz and ways to live life. If that's the case, where's the message of improvement? The, the, where, where's the message of the midot that our Tanaim have been sharing with us all this time for the first four chapters? So what exactly is this statement, Ba'asara ma'amarot olam, teaching me that's going to change my life. So I'd like to provide a couple answers. On the very simple level, like we said, these are in reference to the 10 statements, the 10 utterances. But maybe we can say that the Asara Ma'amarot allude to something else that is 10. More specifically, the Aseret Hadibrot, which literally is translated as the Ten Statements, but we know them better as the Ten Commandments. Now, it's interesting that Dibrot and Ma'amarot both mean, or both uh, imply a form of speech. Ma'amar is a more softer tone. Dibra is a stronger tone. Vaidaber is a stronger Lashon than Vayomer. But nevertheless, they both imply speech. Uh, maybe the Aser Dibrot being commandments in itself, uh, that um, therefore... Uh, the, the message or the, the word that is used is one of a more stronger connotation, Vaidaber. But maybe the Asara Ma'amarot here is specifically talking about the Ten Commandments, which are the blueprint of the entire Torah. Each statement in Parashat Yitro and Parashat Vayetchanan, where these Aseret Hadibrot are found, are in actuality major categories for the rest of the 603 commandments in the Torah. For example, the mitzvot and commandments that pertain to oaths and promises fall under the category of not saying God's name in vain. Every category that pertains to the holidays, the arbaminim on Sukkot, the eating of matzah, the burning of the chametz, the blowing of the shofar, 
All those fall under the category of Shabbat, since Shabbat is the Rosh of the Moadim, it is the it is the king of all of all holidays, all holy days in that aspect. Uh Achamim tell us that Hashem looked in the Torah, and by gazing strongly in the Torah, he created the world. So indeed, Hashem spoke ten utterances to build the world, but those utterances were said in combination with the Aseret Hadibrot, in which the world was founded upon. The Holy Books state that each one of the Ten Commandments correspond to one of the Asara Mamarot, one of the Ten Sayings, utterances that Hashem used to create the world. I'll give you one example. The first commandment of Anochi Hashem Elohecha Asherotzeticha Me'eretz Mitzrayim Mibet Avadim which teaches us the message of unity, the message of belief in the unity of Hashem, that He took us out of Egypt and there is only one God. That connects to the first utterance of Bereshit bara Elohim, like we said just previously. Understanding that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one and only God, the God of the heavens and the earth, and everything that is contained uh, with Him, then um, then that directly correlates to the idea of Anochi Hashem Lokecha. Understanding that is what makes it important. So like this, you see all the other nine Dibrot that are connected and correlated to the rest of the nine utterances that Hashem used to create the world. So therefore, if you are living a life that is void of Torah, then that's not really a life. Your existence the world's existence is solely based on our acceptance, on our fulfillment of Torah and Mitzvot, and anything less is really just a waste. It's just taking up space because you're not living the life for the world's purpose. That's the first answer. Um, and that's, again, a lesson for us. Know why you're here. What's the purpose? Your purpose is to connect to the Torah, the Aseret HaDibrot, the foundation of the Torah, the, the major categories of the Torah and mitzvot. That's Asaram Amarod Nivra Ba'olam. But the second answer is one that I believe contains such a powerful message, yet it's often overlooked in, in the statement of Basaram Amarod Nivra Ha'olam. And the word I want to focus on is the word Nivra. Nivra. The world was created with these ten utterances. The physical world as we know it, and everything that comes forth from it, every tree that ever grew, every tree that continues to grow, every blade of grass, everything that you see, was created during the first six days of creation. Nivra is, of course, passive and past tense. Shlomo HaMelech in Kohelet writes, En chadash tachat hashamish. There is nothing new under the sun. In other words, after the first six days of creation, it is man's job to create and reveal the earth's beauty and what Hashem gave us here. And while Hashem was obviously miraculously um, creating things in ways that only He can understand, and of course He is involved in every single aspect of the world to the, to the millimeter for every millisecond, it is incumbent upon us to take the world He created and to sanctify it and to build it further, not 
physically, but spiritually, understanding what the things around us represent and how I'm going to use those items to help me connect to God better. Our actions can actually make the world a better place or a worse place. He gave us the free will to choose what to do and how to do it. Will we be individuals who emulate Hashem in all of His amazing ways? Or, God forbid, the opposite. And this is, in essence, helping us segue into the crux of the Mishnah. Hashem could have created the world with just one utterance. So why ten? So Tana answers that Hashem chose ten utterances because He made the wicked accountable for destroying a world that was created with ten utterances. There are two things that stick out to me from this answer, and they're very much intercorrelated. Firstly, it seems that Hashem is acting with very strict judgment and vengeance when it comes to these wicked people, men and women. Why not be a little bit more elastic? Why not bend a little? Where is the midah of chesed that will prolong punishment and pain? Where is the midah of erech of tolerance, in hopes that maybe these people will perform teshuvah? And to answer simply, there can be no midah of chesed to people who actively destroy the world. Which is the second point from this response. When a person sins and acts out towards Hashem, he is a destructive individual. He takes the world that Hashem meant for us to sanctify, and he degrades the world. And through his actions, Hashem says, I cannot be in the same world as you. He and I cannot be together in the same world. And I quote the, the Talmud. Hashem says, I've given you everything on earth for you to enjoy, for you to benefit from. I provided for you. I nourished you. I blessed you. And the only thing you can repay me with is this type of evil? Is this type of sin? With each element of creation, you have gone against me. You've considered me meaningless. You consider me worthless. And because of that, I'm going to hold you accountable each time. Your punishment is going to be tenfold because the world I created with embedded in ten utterances, the world I created that was founded upon the Ten Commandments, the Aser Tadibrot, which you chose to ignore, I will hold you accountable for. And I can't help but look at certain influencers in society today, from Hollywood to New York City, across the globe, fashion and glamour and actors that have really only brought destruction. When you live a life full of drugs and alcohol, sex and and filth, and you flaunt it for the world to see, then what's to love? What's to love from that? But the world has reached such a low that these are the rich and famous that everyone looks up to. And it's an utter shame that this is what has happened to us. And to think that the Jews are immune to this, it's time to think again. It's time to pay attention 
to what our children see and what they hear. And more often than not, you will find that it's not much different than what the parents see and hear. And that's the evil, the evil of these reshaim that God holds to account. It's all around us. We see it. It's unbelievable how our children are uh, idolize these Hollywood stars. They follow their every move. They watch their reality television shows. And all they do is, is flaunt the most disgusting and appalling things that as parents we would never want our children to be exposed to. But yet, they are. And many of us know that they are, and they choose not to do anything about it. So I don't really know what's worse. The fact that our, our young children and students are, are witnessing this and seeing this and thinking it's normal and it's a normal part of a society, or the fact that parents are aware of this and they're not doing anything, which which means that they agree. You choose to be silent. It must be that you agree with what they're seeing, what they're watching, and what they're doing. The righteous, on the other hand, the tzaddikim, look at the world and they find ways to sustain it. Their actions have a direct effect on the world's existence. They understand that through the study of the Torah and the performance of the mitzvot, the world continues to exist because that was the original condition of God creating the world. If it's not for my, my covenant, the covenant of the Torah that is studied, that is deciphered day in and day out, day and night, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be able to, we, the, the world would cease to exist. And therefore, we have a Mishnah. At first glance, saying, what is this? Why do we need to, what is this teaching me here? Why Why is it that the Tanah feels the need to tell me that God created? I can open up Chumash Bereshit and find out the same information. I can read the opening chapter and clearly see that Hashem created the world with ten utterances. What is the message for me? The message for me is that I have an opportunity to destroy the world, God forbid, or build it. Hashem created everything around me, and I have the opportunity to be mekayem this. I have, a, I, have the, I have the opportunity to, to be in the group of tzaddikim, shemekayemim et ha'olam, shenivra ba'asara ma'amarot. Am I going to be part of that group, or am I going to be part of the group, chas v'shalom, of the reshaim, who, where God is looking to be lipara, to hold accountable, shemeabedin et ha'olam. You're actively destroying. You're asking, you say to yourself, well, I'm not destroying the world. How am I destroying the world? I'm not doing anything. I'm not burning down bridges. I'm not, I'm not doing great. No, your actions, your sins, the things that you do and you promote are act actively destroying the world because that's not the intent that Hashem had when He created the world. If you're sinning, that means you're not engaging His Torah and mitzvot. The second Mishnah of the Perak is very, very much connected to what we said. And that's why we're learning two tonight. There were ten generations from Adam to Noach. Again, the number ten. Lehodia, to teach us. 
the extent of God's tolerance. Shekol adorot hayu machisin uvaim for all of these generations angered God until he brought upon them the waters of the flood. Guess what? Ten again. There were ten generations from Noah until Abraham. Again, to teach us the extent of Hashem's tolerance. For all these generations angered him. Until Abraham came and reaped the reward for them all. The second Mishnah, like I said, is a direct continuation of the first Mishnah. It expands on the idea that the generation of destruction deserved destruction. Noah was a very righteous man. Ish, Sadiq, Tamim, Bedorotav. And after Adam, it should have been him immediately to be the role model of the world. But the people were destructive and the world couldn't exist otherwise. The Torah tells us in the beginning of Parashat Noah, The land became corrupt in front of God. It was filled with robbery. God saw the land and it became corrupt. Behold, it was corrupt. We see this verb. Hashem says, I am, I'm getting, I, I, I'm destroying the land. It's a lashon of destruction. Everything around was a destroyer. It couldn't exist. We asked earlier, where was Hashem's merciful trait? Where was his chesed when responding to the people? Well, he showed it. He showed it for ten generations. Really, they should have been wiped out after the first generation after Adam. But he waited. He waited patiently. He tolerated their sins and iniquities. He hoped and he wished that they would change until their actions got to a point where the world itself couldn't continue. Even the land rebelled against Hashem. I noticed a word in this Mishnah that seemed out of place. The Mishnah says, Asarat dorot minoach ve'adam ve'adnoach, and as well, Asarat dorot minoach ve'adam ve'adnoach, to know how tolerable and uh, tolerating Hashem was. She'kol adorot hayu machisin, Uva'in. For every generation angered him. Uva'in. Now, that word Uva'in is interesting because the word Mach'isin made God angry. The Achis is to make someone else angry. That should have been suffice. What is the term Uva'in coming to teach me? So I believe that the word Uva'in is that they came with their sins, an act justified. They felt it was okay. It's one thing to sin and be embarrassed and feel regretful. In fact, it's the first step of Teshuvah. And it's another thing to come with excuses. It's another thing to sin 
and feel that it's okay and then justify yourself why it's okay. They're bringing their sins with them rather than leaving the sins behind. When I'm regretful, I sinned. I don't want anything to do with the sin. I leave the sin behind. But when you come with your sin, you come with your sin, then it's a big, big problem. And these are the people, these are the ones that gain a lot of traction. These are the ones that influence others into many different evil ways. Their disassociation with godliness led to HaKadosh Baruch Hu midah keneged midah bringing mevi alehem ad shehevi alehem et me'amabul. The same verb. Shekol adorot hayu machisin uva'in they brought their sin, they justified their actions, they gave excuses. So Hashem, midah keneged midah, hevi alehem, same verb. He brought to them the mea mabul as punishment. At this point, Hashem felt that the world was irreparable, even when Noach had to help. Noach couldn't bring the people back on his own. The rabbis go to great lengths to discuss whether or not that was his fault or it was simply unattainable. Uh, so therefore, the world had to be destroyed. So now we have a new world and a new opportunity to sustain the incredible things that we have. And once again, the generations fall, one after the other, to new depths. And again, Hashem displays His tolerance in hoping that they would do Teshuvah, but nothing was coming from it. Again, they brought their excuses, they brought their justifications to sin more and more. And like Noah, like the times of Noah, the world sh should have been destroyed a second time. The problem is that Hashem made a promise to Noah that he would never do it again. So what option do we have left? How, or shall I say, what can Hashem do to repair that which is irreparable. And the answer, says the Mishnah, is Abraham Avinu. Ad Sheba Abraham Avinu Ekibel Sachar Kulam. Abraham personified what it meant to be an Eved Hashem, a true representative of God. He took the doubters and made them doubtless. He inspired others to become better, to improve their ways, to become believers in Hashem and how He runs the world. And guess what verb is used again in this Mishnah? Ad Sheba Abraham. Until Abraham came. He came with what? He came with his philosophy. He came with his ideals, his morals, his godly opinions. And he showed them the way. For 20 generations, 10 and 10, and I don't think that is a coincidence. It was 10 generations, had opportunities here to live up to the world the way it was meant to be. And each time they failed. And it was 10 generations from Noah to Abraham and 10 generations from Adam to Noah. For 20 generations in total, the inhabitants of the world couldn't sustain what God had given to them. They failed to act on the condition that allowed the earth to exist in the first place. The ten 
utterances, the Asara Mamarot, which are dependent on the Ten Commandments, the Aseret Hadibrot, were the key to keeping everyone alive as well. Instead, they chose to follow their own path of destruction. In the generation of Noah, <coughs> the only way out was decimation, it was a flood, to destroy everything and have Hashem bring it anew. But with Abraham, Akadosh Baruch Hu found the solution. Abraham came on his own. Acheba Abraham. He wasn't forced. Hashem didn't appoint him. Hashem didn't appear to him in a dream. Hashem didn't send a malach or or an angel uh, to, to go and let him know that he's going to be the leader, which did happen throughout history. Where we see this often in the time of the Shoftim, where there was an angel sent to one of the Shoftim and say, you're the next guy. You're going to be the savior of Klal Israel." This wasn't the case. Abraham Avinu came on his own. He wasn't appointed. How did he come to that? How did he muster up the strength and the courage to do that on his own when he lived in a world that was so filled with idolatry and garbage? Well, simple. He looked around. He witnessed the tragedy firsthand. He saw the failure of mankind. And he attributed it to Avodah Zarah, to idolatry, to lack of godly awareness. His mission was to change that. His mission was to sustain the world in a way that Hashem wanted it to be. And he did so. Rabotai, guess what the Midrash Rabbah tells us on the Pasuk in Parashat Bereshit, right after the creation of the world, before Abraham is even born, Pasuk says, Ele toledot be'hibare'am. These are the offsprings of the heavens and the earth when they were created. Amar Rabbi Yoshua ben Korcha. Rabbi Yoshua ben Korcha looks at the word be'hibare'am. He goes, that's a very strange word. But it contains the same letters as be'avraham. Be'hibare'am, be'avraham. In the merit of Abraham Avinu, the world was able to sustain itself. For coming on his own, for looking around and saying, wait, something is wrong here. This can't continue. I have to do something. If no one does something, then God can destroy us again. Hashem can send plague after plague, and we don't want that. We are the children of Abraham, Avinu Rabotai, Abraham, our forefather. We are holy representatives of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I don't need to sit here right now and tell you of the garbage, cruelty, the corruption, the filth, the impurities that surround us day in and day out on the internet, on the television, on the radio, on the streets, on the cell phones, on the tablets, the iPads. I don't need to tell you that. But what I could tell you is it's time to act like Abraham Avinu. That if you do notice this and you look around, act to change. Act to say, I'm going to be better myself. I'm going to make sure my kids are better. My kids are acting properly. 
Because I'm a great great grandson of Abraham Avinu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to give us reward. He knows it's difficult. He created this world. And this world was created with ten utterances that are founded upon those ten commandments. was Aseret HaDibrot, which encompassed the entire Torah. Don't we want reward for every action that we do? Every time we filter out the, the garbage around us, Hashem says, I'm going to give reward to the tzaddikim because the tzaddikim are helping upkeep the world the way it was meant to be. We continue this battle. It's a daily battle. It's not easy. We push hard. We are representatives of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We follow the footsteps of our father Abraham Avinu who came on his own he brought people in. He helped people. He made people see the light. Bezat Hashem, through that, we shall all see the light. We shall all be zochet to wonderful things, wonderful berachot, to see the world become a much better place, a place of happiness, a place of cleanliness, a place of holiness, a place of yirat shamayim, fear of heaven. Bezat Hashem will be zochet to only, only brachot. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Join us next week for our last installment of the Perkeavot series when we study sixth chapter of Perkeavot. Wishing everyone a wonderful night.